Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast. Hey, I've heard this one. This one's a classic. This is the one where John says it's near and dear to his heart. What do you mean you've seen this one? It's brand new. Anyway, I'm Clint Eastwood. And I'm Calvin Klein. Grab your hoverboards, hop in your DeLoreans. We're going to deliver you 1.21 gigawatts of fun. We're talking Back to the Future. We are rusty. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, especially for, like, like you pointed out before uh, the listeners came in, like, ha- hearing this theme song and doing our little thing along with it, like, it's been a long time. It's probably been, what, like seven, eight months? Yeah, I guess it has. And, uh, I mean, I, I at least played the right one this time, yeah. so that's good. Uh, oh, that was so entertaining, though, in the debrief. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, like, as soon as it started playing, I was like, oh, no. I've got to do this now. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to deliver. Uh, but we're back. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I finally caught on with that. Like I, I had it in my head, like the what's a rerun part for some reason before we started. But I was like, what, what was his line before that? Pulled it out. So you covered the fact that this is near and dear to my heart, but whatever. During our hiatus, I went back and started listening to our original episodes. You know, they, a, a lot of them are, are kind of rough. I mean, bet they are. They we are had no idea what we were doing. We barely have any idea what we're doing now. Yeah. You know, our first episode was on time travel and kind of avoided back to the future a bit. Because I, I mean, I, I remember preparing for the first episode and thinking like, I don't want this to be just all back to the future. This is a time travel episode. So I really tried to, to tone it down. And I remember you called it out at one point during the episode, even saying like, oh, yeah, I'm surprised we, we aren't talking more about Back to the Future. So we sort of went the other way with it. And it sort of hit me. It's like four years in, a half year hiatus. We still never did an episode on Back to the Future, which seems like a travesty. This is one of my favorite movie series of all time. Yeah, it's bizarre that it somehow slipped through. Like, it wasn't even on our list of potential topics. Yeah. Which is bonkers because we have some stupid shit on there yeah (laughs) (laughs) we've also got some really good shit on there but either way yeah it should have been there so i kind of figured you know if we were going to be coming back that that might be a good thing to start on you know where we where we started over four years ago yeah except as we realized today when we were going over what we were going to do for our intro I used all the good ones uh, back then. <laughs> it was all Back to the Future, and it was all the best lines. I started off hot. I got worse as time went by. Uh, but the thing is, there's a lot of good lines yeah. in, in these three movies. So I, mean, I didn't use uh, any of them, though. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty tightly written yeah. and, uh, and well-paced. So where do you want to start? I don't First know. impressions? Um, are, are we still doing the same old format? I, I made notes for it just in case. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see no reason to lose what little structure we, we had. Yeah, what was your first impression? So the first, well, I guess my first impression of Back to the Future was seeing the VHS cover at Mr. Video, the local rental store. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's a cool fucking cover. It's, you know, he's got the the DeLorean there, and he's stepping out of it. And in the second one, which I think I probably saw about the same time, I was maybe like eight. Yeah, it would have been out seven or eight when when um I you know when the second one came out. It's got both of them on it, but it's like the same kind of cover. And I remember being drawn to the second one because it looked more exciting for some reason. I watched that one first, 
before I'd seen the first one, I watched the part two mm-hmm. and uh, fucking loved it as a kid. Like it was great. The, all of the like callback to the original stuff in it, which was substantial, was completely lost on me. Yeah. Like the entire third act. Yes. But I mean, it had enough cool shit and action and comedy it, you know, like it had all the stuff that it needed to keep my eight-year-old brain engaged and enjoying it, even though I didn't fully understand the plot. But I was eight. The plot was not really the selling point for the me. The future with hoverboards looked cool as shit. That's all you needed. Exactly. You got some jerk with a bowl on his head who gets dumped into manure. Like, that's great. Who doesn't love that? Yeah, man. Those Drew Struzan, like, covers and posters. Fucking great. They are so brilliant. Um, even though over the years... When I've drawn like homages to those, I've done a few looking at the original for, um, for reference on the first one, that car, it's almost like he didn't know what car they were using because, well, I guess it's got the, the hatch door, but it doesn't look like the DeLorean at all. It's sort of like an amorphous, like angular car-like object. It doesn't look like the actual DeLorean. Like maybe he'd seen a DeLorean in passing once and yeah. like just drew it from well, memory. Which is weird because Struzan, is, he's a professional. Like, of course he'd get the reference, but it's so strange how it doesn't look like the car. But, but with Back to the Future 2, it absolutely does. Oh, geez, you're right. It's like barely even a car. Yeah. Like, it's just like this blob that is sitting there. Like, does he even have a front tire? I don't think so. It's just kind of shapes. And like the back of the car doesn't even exist. Like the road goes through where the car would. That's yes. Bizarre. It's very frustrating <laughs> when I look when I look to that for reference. The level of detail he put into Michael J. Fox's face and everything though is on point. We could, but we won't because it wouldn't be that entertaining. Do an, an entire episode on Drew Struzan, all of his posters and everything, like Indiana Jones, Masters of the Universe, The Thing. Like the thing poster he did with having no knowledge of the movie or what anything looked like. So he just came up with that image and it totally works, even though there's nothing like that in the, in the movie at all. Cool. Yeah. Striking cover. Um, what about you, sir? Yeah. My first impression, and I may have spoken about, I don't know. I've, I've, I know I've told this story before. I don't know. I don't think it was in the time travel episode though. Um, I watched it on VHS off of television um, with my family as a kid. And I remember that experience so vividly where we were sitting we had sleeping bags downstairs you know like i was under the counter watching it and um that was one of those vhs's that we just like wore out over the years that one and peewee's big adventure i think they may have been on the same vhs that's a hell of a vhs that's like copious amounts of rube goldberg breakfasts on one vhs tape (laughs) (laughs) no shit And I remember watching it with my family and afterwards, even I was just joking around. Like I I wasn't pissed or anything, but I called one of my sisters a bastard because that was the first time I'd ever heard the term bastard. (laughs) And they say it a lot and I got in trouble and it sucked. I, I remember that specifically. And this is one of those movies where when I'm watching it, certain scenes like the, um, the scene with the DeLorean reveal at the, uh, Twin Pines mall parking lot. I am right back there. I have such like sense memory with that, that like I'm, I feel like I'm sitting in that dark family room watching it. There's a bunch of moments in that movie where it takes me right back. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. This movie's special. How how old do you think you were when you saw that? I was probably about the same, about seven or so. Cause I know I had seen it. Well, I, I could have been younger. 
I don't know. Anywhere from five to seven, because the house we were living in, I moved to right before my fifth birthday. And I remember watching Back to the Future 2 in that same family room at, when somebody brought it over when it was, uh, I, I believe it was new on VHS. So you didn't so, get to see that one in the theater? No. Like I, I caught both of these after their theater run in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And and Back to the Future 2 was during that summer of 89, that beautiful, beautiful summer where we had Batman, we had Last Crusade, Back to the Future 2, Lethal Weapon 2. Um, shit, there are a few others that that are on that list of just like, legendary movies that all came out in the summer of 89. They don't make years like that no, anymore. It doesn't seem like it. Like in the last decade, we have not had a year anywhere close. To, you get like one or two really good movies a year. Sometimes you don't get that. Yeah, I think like we we may have, did we get Endgame and Rise of Skywalker in the in the same year? Not speaking to quality, but just like big films. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I want, oh, uh, I was just going to say, I want another summer where like a James Bond comes out at the same time as like a, you know, a DC movie, but that was a uh, license to kill Timothy Dalton's second one. Yeah. So all I saw was Batman because there were a lot of movies that it, that it, like, I've, I've got a very good memory of, of seeing Batman. For some reason, I don't think your parents were going to take you to lethal weapon too. so i don't know i guess it could have been anywhere in there it could have been after back to the future 2 was in theaters because if i loved back to the future 1 so much they probably would have taken me to to see back to the future 2 yeah because i was going to comment on that like unlike some of the stuff we've talked about you you know watching the vhs recorded off tv i don't think there's anything to take out of this movie when shown on tv unless it's edited for time I don't think there's any content that needs to be removed. Like, it's a very wholesome, family-friendly movie. They have to bleep the shits. They say shit a lot. Yeah, but... Holy shit! Yeah, but 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 they don't actually have to cut anything. They just, like, either a dub over or a blanket out with something like that. But I don't think there's anything they need to cut, unless they're, like, worried about Doc Brown getting shot. I can't say for certain because, oh man, I hope I, I, whoa, if I still had that VHS somewhere, but I doubt I do. I, I want to say it's possible that they, that they cut out George McFly's, uh, peeping through the, uh, the window and you see the girl in the bra. They may have cut that out and just had Mike Fox, I'm going to call him, get up and saying, uh, he's a peeping Tom, but yeah, that's where it all started from friggin' bra. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the idea that you could get up in a tree, <laughs> on someone, get hit by a car and fall in love forever. It, this movie gave me my, uh, my entire thought process on, on love and time travel, rock and roll. It, it definitely was the first movie that I saw where the concept of time travel, like, sparked in me like yeah. like, I, like i got it and was like oh shit that's really interesting like i my little brain had never really thought of time travel deeply before yeah probably didn't think of it that day but like this was the first encounter where it was like oh this is interesting look how this relates to that and how all this stuff is going on yeah there's two of them in the same place that's interesting yeah and that's actually what i was gonna say before before bras came into it <laughs> this was the start of, <laughs> yes. of our lifelong love and passion for time travel so much that that we made our own comic book you know where where time travel was involved we got a love for bill and ted there's so much cool stuff that can go into time travel in regards to like you know what is fate what is Mm -hmm. determinism you know like what what is destiny and um even though 
you know, it doesn't scientifically hold up. I, I love that all these years later, like even stuff like referencing back to the future, you know, like they're using that as their time rules that, you know, like if something in the past changes, then we're going to like fade away, which is pretty ridiculous that you yeah. have like a like a slow fade. Like the rules that Back to the Future set down are pretty fast and loose. Yeah. And they're there to like support the narrative, not to make any sense at all. But I'll give them credit. They are consistent within the, the universe as yep. to how they act. You know, like you've got a picture, it's going to slowly start fading out as the probability of that thing still occurring goes down, I guess. You know, I never actually thought of it that way. That, that, that actually does explain it kind of well, scientifically. Yeah, like, like, like I think that's what they were going for. Like, okay. it, like it's not set in stone that this didn't happen now, but like it's not, it's less likely than before. Yeah, like it's not accounting for. Well, it's like it's like well, at this point, George McFly has to lay out Biff for it to for this to happen, and that's probably not going to happen. So you're fading out, dude. And they're like, oh shit. And as a storytelling mechanic, fucking great. You know, it, like it, it drives home the immediacy, like it, it presents a new problem, you know, because they look at the picture and see that his family is fading out of existence. And it's like, oh, shit, we need to f address this now. Like, because mm -hmm. otherwise, how would they know about any of that? Marty just just disappears, like, like right before he's about to get in the DeLorean. <laughs> You're like, well, OK. And then Doc has to go back and set him up so Marty can reappear. That just reminded me of something that I forgot to go look into. So not to super detour. Right in the beginning when we're just, you know, talking about, about stuff to start with. But there is a, a theory that I, uh, I watched a video on once and it was really cool. I meant to go back and watch it again so I could speak more to it. But the basic gist of it is this theory is that Marty McFly has died potentially countless times for everything to work out so well that Doc has had to watch Marty die and then like go back and fix it and like change things. So, so everything can work out perfectly. Oh, and he just, he doesn't bring it up, you know, yeah. he doesn't want to, uh, you know. Yeah. So the one we, so the, the movie we're watching is after, you know, like groundhog day, you know, the, so many attempts at making the day just right. So it can actually work. That's why doc really wants to destroy the time machine at a place where he knows Marty's safe. Straight up. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. that, that's how I, th I think it stemmed from, that's how Doc rescues Marty in Back to the Future 2 when he jumps off the, the Biffco Towers. That's why the DeLorean's there, because Marty had to jump one time because Biff was going to shoot him, and Marty died. So Doc went back and changed it so he'd be there. So yeah, so that explains all the happenstance and dumb luck. Yep. <laughs> so uh, go out and seek that out and watch it. It's cool. I, I love fan theories. If they ever do a Back to the Future 4... I hope it's that story and like, it's just like, it just fills in some gaps and, and it's a totally different tone rather because I don't want to see them reboot this series ever. They're going to, of course they are, but I don't want to see it. And I don't, and like, it's got a, it's got a good end. Well, kind of, we'll get a, we'll get to that, but it's got, it, it has an end. Like yes. it ends and, and it's, it it's comes a, in and says the end story. And so like revisiting it with doc Brown, like a, like a more dark, just like a, a totally different, tone but still meshes with everything that went before like that could be interesting like it that's the only thing i'd want to see if they revisited this franchise and i don't even think i want to see that okay okay no th then then you're then you're mostly consistent i mean like we've we've had this talk before about sequels and and whether or not we want them or need them and and uh 
And I've always been very much, I mean, well, just talking Indiana Jones specifically, like I, I remember, in fact, I listened to our Indiana Jones episode. So I heard it again where, where, you know, if, if there's potential for it to be good, I want them to make it there. There's no harm in that whatsoever for me. But for some reason, this is where I'm not consistent. I don't want another back to the future. There's no reason to do it. Yeah. And on that note, uh, I'm not going to see the new Indiana Jones movie. Fuck maybe, you. Maybe in the future. I'm not going to the theater and seeing Fuck it. Fuck so you. If everyone wants me You're to doing it for the show. Fuck yeah. you. You're watching. No, you were watching that with me. We're doing a Gone Geek Sporn for it. that. I'm on Disney hiatus. Like, I, I'm okay with, I, like, I want to go this whole, that should have been my New Year's resolution. Just no Disney all year. I'm fucking done you know with what? those guys so much. Disney, yeah. All I'm going to do is come on here and complain and be a crotchety old turd and be like, oh, they ruined my Indiana Jones. But what if it's awesome and it's you don't? going to be. It might be. Then anything I- is possible. That picture has not fully faded yet of us with a smile at the end of <laughs> Indiana Jones 5. <laughs> is Kathleen Kennedy Biff in this scenario? <laughs> Can you imagine her walking on set and going, what are you looking at, butthead? But <laughs> the thing, I mean, that's that's another thing to talk about, man. Like, Kathleen Kennedy in charge of Lucasfilm, fuck her, in my opinion. She's the worst thing to, to happen to the direction of Star By Wars fun. ever. Kathleen Kennedy, pre-Lucas, is, I mean, even Spielberg has called her one of the greatest film producers to ever exist. I mean, she produced indies. She produced Back to the Future. Like, she she has produced so many fantastic films that, like, other than Star Wars, I don't hate her. Yeah, but, like, after Star Wars... Yeah, I hate her. Was it her that made those movies good? I'm not sure about that. I think... there was a lot of other really talented, very good people. Like, the original Star Wars movie would not have been great if it was just George Lucas doing his thing, as evidenced by the prequels. And, like, like that movie was saved in the edits. Like, there's a lot of other really talented people. I think she might have been getting credit for something that maybe she didn't really deserve I, it. See, I... I Unless she I can't fell say and hit her sure. head and, and, and became less good at her job. Well, I think she may have Lucas syndrome also, where like when she's involved in a project, she's got an eye for scripts, she's got an eye for talent, and she can make really good things happen. But then when there's nobody there that can tell her no, then she fucking botches it, just like Lucas did. Like a lot of people do. Yeah. It's hard to be an auteur, you know, like, like not everyone's cut out for that. So what, what was her role in Back to the Future? Like, like, I don't even remember seeing her name. I wasn't looking for it either. Either a producer or executive producer. Like, that, that, was, that was her role in Hollywood. Well, because Spielberg was the executive producer, right? I mean... I remember seeing Spielberg's name. Well, he's definitely an executive producer. I don't know if he was sole executive producer. Yeah, and Zemeckis, you know, uh, like, I'm seeing those guys' names up front. But, like, was her name in the, in the front roll credits or just in the back? I have no idea. I, I was know. I was watching a uh, a documentary on it, and she was featured heavily in it. You know, interviews with her and stuff. Credit where credit is due. Like she didn't fuck that movie up. Yeah, so yeah. That's at the least, movie didn't suck. We can at least say because that. Of her. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we go into just a, a quick little bit of history about this movie? Yeah, let's do it. Because I've always really liked this story. I've seen documentaries before. I love watching behind the scenes documentaries on uh, on the making of Back to the Future or the series. I love them. I've, I've watched every single one they release when there's a new anniversary and they add more stuff to it. But unfortunately, my Blu-rays are still packed, so I couldn't find um, the most recent ones. So I found a, a, I found a good one on YouTube. This started when uh, when Bob Gale 
was visiting his parents, like back home, and and he was looking at it at his dad's yearbook because they went to the same high school, and saw that his dad was like class president, and then I I, I hate that I'm just sort of you know after you watch the documentary I watched yeah. you're like oh this is exactly what John said yeah well uh, you know get that's over how it. things happen <laughs> like you know it's hard to put your own spin on history yeah yeah. Um, he wondered if he and his dad would have been friends because he thought about his own class president and how he didn't like him. I wonder if Bob Gale was like a big stoner leather jacket, uh, kind of guy. And he was like, what? My dad was a nerd. I bet Bob Gale was a stoner. (laughs) I, I bet he was a free spirit and a goofball. Yeah. That was what sparked the idea in his head. So he and, uh, and Robert Zemeckis had been working together already they did um used cars did i can't remember the name of the movie before that eh yeah i heard it It, uh did not recognize it i had not i'd not seen oh 1941 they did not it was 1941 they wrote that for spielberg yeah yeah and used cars was their most recent picture and it did not do well i've heard it's good but i've never seen it yeah and apparently the studio liked it but it just just box office it tanked so they decided to put together this, this outline for Back to the Future. Um, the idea of a kid going back in time and fucking things up and then having to fix it. I heard that, I don't know if this is true, but when Bob Gale like brought it up to Robert Zemeckis, Zemeckis' like big contribution, he was like, yeah, what, like, what if you, know, what if you didn't like your dad? He was a nerd. And, he, and Zemeckis' contribution was, well, and what if your mom was the town whore? <laughs> oh man i'm glad they toned that down a little bit yeah but i mean only a little bit yeah yeah she's she's pretty racy yeah smoking cigarettes Mm -hmm. drinking stuff and then sitting in a parked car with a boy oh boy so they they finished a, a few versions of scripts and started taking it to the studios and all the studios were passing. They wanted something raunchier. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it got turned down like forty four times. Yeah, is that the number? Yeah, that's they, insane. And like, yeah, and they all wanted something like Porky's or like so, you know something exactly you know, Animal House, something yeah, Bachelor with, Party. Well, I don't know if Bachelor Party was out by then. Yeah, something you know with uh, some some gratuitous boobs, which you know I. I'm a fan of gratuitous boobs. Yeah. It does not bother me. I'm glad there's not any in Back to the Future, but uh, that's in hindsight. I mean, I can't imagine they'd ruin the movie. And then, and then I guess they shopped it around to Disney, too. And Disney wasn't interested because it was too racy because he was making out with his mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, because like they were stuck in this weird gray zone where it like wasn't family-friendly enough for Disney, but it wasn't uh, raunchy enough for the big studios. Yeah, and, and after they'd gotten turned down a bunch, they took it to their friend Steven Spielberg. Nice to have a friend in Steven Spielberg. Spielberg had produced their first two films, and like we said, they, um, they wrote 1941 for him. All of those did not do well. Zemeckis and Gale actually turned down Spielberg initially because they didn't want it to seem like, oh, the only reason we're making movies, our friend Steven Spielberg is, is helping us out. So pride. Yeah, pride, and you know they also probably didn't want to want to ruin his good name either. At this point in time, like he was not peak Spe- Steven Spielberg oh, yet, shit. but he was getting. This was early '80s, so he he's made Jaws, he's made Raiders, he's probably made ET, maybe depending on how many years it took to get Back to the Future made. ET came out in '82. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Done, so, in yeah, fact, he, he did Close Encounters. Oh yeah, he's he's Spielberg. So yeah, he's there. That, that's that's probably 
how he's getting these guys moved. So their fear is probably well founded because <laughs> it's it's just because of Spielberg. And then after they left, then that's when everybody's saying go to Disney. And and yeah, I I, I love hearing the stories where they're just like aghast that that they want to make a movie with incest in it. Well, they don't actually <laughs> fuck. Like <laughs> she just takes his pants off and kisses him. Is that even first base? <laughs> Oh man, she yeah, she's a little rapey. Yeah, I mean, uh, shit. These days, first base is what eating ass. Is that what the kids are doing? <laughs> I don't know what it was, but in my laugh right there, I don't. I I heard a little like <laughs> like the annoying George McFly laugh. But thankfully, uh, Zemeckis got the opportunity to direct the now classic, maybe cult classic. I don't know. I love it. Romancing the Stone. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen it. Oh shit! Like, like I've I've heard about it, like, but I I've no memory of it whatsoever. So, it is one of the best, like, uh, Indiana Jones adjacent. Yeah, movies. that's what I've heard because it doesn't. I remember like hearing that and being surprised at one point because uh, it doesn't sound like an Indiana Jones movie by the title. You know, and and the main character in that movie is a romance novel writer. And then she comes across the Michael Douglas character who is, you know, the, the gruff dude, but they are sort of going at, in a way, going after an object of value and, and adventure ensues. So no, you absolutely should, should watch it. Jewel of the Nile isn't quite as good. That's its sequel, but it's also good. I watched it a lot as a kid, but that got Zemeckis some clout. So they went back to Spielberg and they're like, fuck it, let's do it. We're not, we're not going to ruin your name now. And I've proven I can do something without you. So at first they tried to cast Michael J. Fox, but he was tied up with, ooh, no pun intended, family ties. Well, like his, I think like his agent basically read the script and said, no, you cannot. I'm not going to give this to Michael to read because he will want to do it. And I cannot. And I can't let him out of family ties. No fucking way. Yeah. He's yep. busy all the time. This show's doing well. Uh, I never really liked Family Ties, at least when I was a kid. I don't Neither. think I've ever revisited it, but like as a child, which I was pretty young, like I wasn't really into that at that time. I probably caught it on syndication after that, but like wasn't super into it. Yeah, it felt a little old, but you know, we were full house kids. Yeah. You know, that that came out when we were like five or six, you know, like that. But Family Ties was running, you know, 83 or something. You know, it's like I was one year old. And by the time... By the time I was old enough to understand family sitcoms, it already seemed old. Yeah, there were much better ones out there. Angelina was saying like, you know what? I'd like to try watching that. I was like, you can do that on your own. I'm good. There's so much TV and movies I need to watch that I don't have have time for family ties. Um, So when they couldn't get Michael J. Fox, they went with Eric Stoltz. And um, you you would know him from the, well, the roles that I think of Eric Stoltz from was, uh, is Mask. With Cher and Sam Elliott. Where he's covered in so much makeup, you can't recognize yeah. it anyway. And then Pulp Fiction as the, the dude that Travolta goes to for the, uh, for the adrenaline shot. I'm oh, pretty shit. certain that's Eric Stoltz. That might be him, yeah. Like, I had to look him up because yeah. I was like, I don't know what this Screen guy Screen legend like. Eric Stoltz? Yeah. And he, uh, I mean, he kind of looks like Michael J. Fox. Like, I was looking at him, like some of the pictures of him when he, you know, around that era. And he looks kind of like a mix between Michael J. Fox and... Um, Mark Hamill. Oh, that is totally accurate. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like he's, you know, I mean, he's a handsome. He's got the man. round, the pretty round eyes the little, of, of, of he's Mark got Hamill's Hamill. little butt chin. And, and uh, 
Yeah, he is very Hamill-esque. Yeah, so like, like he's a decent, like, like you, I looked at him old and I'm like, that could almost be Michael J. Fox if I didn't know what Michael J. Fox looked like old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they shot for five weeks yeah. with Eric Stoltz and... He sucked. Yes, he, he did not... <laughs> He did not have the humor. Everyone says he was he was great on set and that he uh, that he was a professional and he was a, he's a great actor, but he, he was, just didn't have the humor that they that they wanted. It wasn't landing. Well, I guess he was like they. I heard thing like they were doing script readings, you know, and everyone was laughing at jokes and doing that. And then like basically his take on it was that this should be a tragedy. Oh, geez. Because like imagine like you go back in time and then you know you do all this stuff to try and save it, and then you come home and. Your entire life's upside down. Everything's wrong. Your parents are, you know, go back to your house. No one's there. Like, like all this, like, it's a tragedy, like, because you come back and your whole world's been turned upside down. And I guess he was a method actor. So he insisted that everyone call him Marty the entire time. Oh, how annoying. Okay. Well, well, geez, maybe, maybe I caught, I caught the interview with, uh, with a couple people where, where they were like, just gonna be nice about this. Oh, yeah, well, I'm I, not here to talk shit. I heard a fun anecdote that I that was not verifiable, but uh, I'm gonna believe that it's true because I thought it was funny. It was basically like they they were doing some you know some screenings like di- watching the dailies and uh, and some I guess called Bob Galen and was like, hey, we need to fucking talk about a Stoltz guy. And like they watched some stuff and they're just like like he's just not he's he's all mopey and sad. And they weren't sure what to do about it. And Spielberg was like, well, I'll talk to him. And like, he went to his trailer to talk to him. Like, okay, Eric, well, and, and you know, we need to talk. And he's like, Marty. And he's like, no, well, Eric, listen. And he's like, Marty, call me Marty. And he's like, no, Eric, you're fired. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and, and just straight fired him. And I don't know if that's like Spielberg's never confirmed that that's the way it went down, but uh, I'd like to think it is. Cause that's that <laughs> the guy was just an irritating method actor who wasn't pulling it and he was, pissed Spielberg off to the point they just fucking he was going to try and talk him out of it damn they knew you know they they didn't want it to happen but they knew that that he had to go you know and then like Zemeckis had to fight or not fight but get the studio to agree to let him reshoot five weeks of footage like that's that's a lot that's a lot of stuff like I really want to see just like all of the Stoltz stuff cut together they there there are little clips out there yeah I've seen a bunch of pictures of him like standing next to Doc and yeah and like and like doing the little the the little in the shed um talking about like 1.21 gigawatts and Stoltz is still in the the uh the actual cut of Back to the Future yes at least one that is confirmed there is a brief moment in uh in the diner marty actually socks biff that arm in that quick shot is wearing the black coat that uh that eric stoltz wore and that that's eric stoltz's arm for that shot Whoa. i think they just didn't reshoot it with michael j fox yeah M- michael j fox probably couldn't reach biff's face <laughs> well and apparently after after eric stoltz got fired like everyone was scared like thomas they they called Thomas Wilson, uh, Biff into like have a meeting and he was apparently like sweating bullets and shit. And, you know, just an aside, apparently from all accounts, Thomas F. Wilson, tongue twister is the nicest, funniest dude on the fucking planet. And I love that that's the case because he can tap into something as Biff that's Kills it as Biff. He's so fucking good. Yeah. Um, but they called him in and he was just scared to death and they like sat him down. They're like, we fired Eric Stoltz. He's like, oh, okay. They're like, all right, I'll let you know. Or something, something like that. Something so innocuous and innocent. And presumably he already knew that walking yeah, in. Yeah, 
because so, rumors. Yeah. I mean, like that's the kind of thing that's going to carry around. When I know they had to recast Jennifer, like the original, I can't remember who she was, the original act- actress for Jennifer, because once they got Michael J. Fox on, she was too tall. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So they had to fire her, not be- for performance, like, sorry, you're, you're too tall to stand next to Michael J. Fox. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, and that's when they brought in Claudia Wells, who I love to death. I think she's such a better Jennifer. I love Elizabeth Shue. I think she's one of the most beautiful women in the world, but she is, as Angelina put it, a cartoon character as Jennifer in Back to the Futures 2 and 3. Yeah. Her reactions to everything are just so like over the top. I, ugh, I wish Claudia Wells could have come back for that. But um, yeah, they got Michael J. Fox. And they they got his producer to agree to let him do it as long as Family Ties took precedent, as long as it didn't affect his his performance on Family Ties. Apparently, the producer called Michael J. Fox in and had the script in a uh, in a manila envelope and handed it to him and said, like, go read this. If you're interested, you know, if you like it, if you're in, then we'll work it out. And he apparently accepted the manila envelope and then handed it back to him and said, like, I love it. I'm in. Like without reading it, without reading it, like his before he, he was interested in being involved because he had worked with Crispin Glover before and, you know, the Zemeckis and Spielberg of it, you know, like he, it was something that, that had potential. I don't know if they wrote it with him in mind, but he was like their first choice the whole time. Absolutely. So what they ended up doing, Michael J. Fox had to shoot family ties during the day. Like, I, I can't remember the exact timing of it. You know, he'd go there in the morning and work until about six or something. Then he'd get driven to Back to the Future, to the Back to the Future set, and then work all night yeah, until sleep, like sleep four or five in the morning. Way there. Yep. And, and he'd sleep for like a few hours and then go back to Family Ties. Like, God bless him. Fucking pulled it off. Yeah. I mean, maybe his performance on Family Ties suffered. I don't know, but he's great in Back to the Future. Yeah. Which I wonder... If like all the daytime shots in Back to the Future were on the weekends when he wasn't working because they had to work those around that schedule. And there's a lot of stuff that happens at night. And I'm curious if like, was the whole thing with the clock tower supposed to take place at night originally? Or did, is that like a concession they had to make because of all the, uh, you know, they had to shoot at night for most of the movie. Yeah, I, I hope it did only because lightning looks so much cooler in the dark. And the flames from the tires, like, that, would, that wouldn't be as cool during the day. Oh, weird. Daytime back to the future. Yeah, and apparently, uh, I mean, I imagine this went into it also. Um, their method of writing. There it is. One bitch. per episode. <laughs> um, their method of writing was the index card method, where they would just, like, say, like, they would write an event on an index card and then, like, put it up on a board. And sort and you know if like this happens, then they're like, okay, how do we get to this? So they'd write another index card to put it up in the early part. They're like, you know, okay, he has to like they they made one for like he invents rock and roll. So they're like, okay, here's a card that says like we have to show him wanting to play rock and roll. You know, like he has to be here by this time, so we have to show that you know. It's, so is it uh, I imagine that played into that. On that note, especially the first movie, but all of them are like a masterclass in setup and payoff. Yes. Everything is set up. Everything pays off. I mean, it's super economical storytelling. Like there's no fat in that first movie. Well, yeah. And, and the first act of that movie, somehow they get away with the, the first act being entirely exposition dump without it feeling like an exposition dump. Like there is so much setup with just 
subtle things like it's it's like like the plutonium yeah, on the, you yeah, know, yeah the his little... obsession with time you know the fact that he's an inventor the dog food overflowing you know like uh i uh the, the fucking clock tower like the biff and george relationship um even jailbird joey you know like <laughs> literally everything yeah. sets up and it all pays off yeah when you watch it a second time or a 34th time you know, you see all those little things that are establishing something that will be relevant later. And there's there's nothing left hanging. Like, I mean, the first movie is as close to a perfect film, I think, as there is. Like, there is I have no notes. There's nothing wrong with that movie. Like, it's not the best movie ever, but it is flawless. Like, I, maybe there's some flaws, but like, I mean, it's you have to dig for it. Yeah, it's, you really it's have to shocking try. how how. um consistently good it is and and how how they they thought they thought of everything yeah they did they, they really, considered everything which, with a time travel story really important that you do that They're like that that's the the achilles heel of time travel stories is not thinking it through enough and having a gaping logic hole or uh, like they're hard to do more people fail at time travel stories than succeed i would say like it is tough to do right and these guys didn't have a much of a template to go from no wasn't yeah i mean maybe there was in my mind in popular culture there wasn't a whole lot of time travel shit prior to this yeah and and maybe also a lot of it could have been you know like you said hg wells or like a um twilight zone thing or you know something that's very self-serious and it's not like an adventure through another time yeah you know where, where this one like I don't know. I mean, it, it probably wasn't the first, but it really set up the whole idea for us and our generation, at least, of this, I travel through time, I fuck something up. But it's not like in a, in a weird, serious, you know, allegorical way of, of some of those other things. But it's like, I need, I need to do this cool adventure and make everything right and then get back. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was the first fun one. Certainly the first big, huge blockbuster successful one. Yeah, definitely. That, where time travel was the, the main thing. Because like, like you said, like Terminator had time travel, but like I'd never think, I don't think of that as a time travel movie. Like, but it, it is, like it's a critical component, but like it's- It definitely raises some questions though. Yes, but it's not the core of the movie. No. Whereas this it is, it, oh, you know, also- Well, kind, that, it kind of is. Yeah. If, if, so- if if we watched Back to the Future, but it was all from George McFly's perspective, that would be more like Terminator. Where like this kid shows up and he's like, I'm your fucking son from the future and I have to I have to get you to to get together with this lady or I'm not gonna exist. Or something. I don't know. Whoa. That's how they should remake Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> also, that title. What a flawless title for a time travel movie. Like it tells you everything you need to know to understand kind of what's going, you know, not what's going on in the movie, but what you're in for. Mm -hmm. Like now, just brilliant marketing on that. Have you heard the story about, about the title? No. Oh, did I tell it in the, it's cause I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, unfortunately I didn't catch the documentary that had this story. So, so some of the details are going to be a little fuzzy, but this big wig in the studio, I think it, oh, I think it was Sid Sheinberg. That's, that's popping in my head. He didn't like the title Back to the Future. 
He, he didn't get it. He thought it was stupid. So he was going to, so his proposed name was whatever's on the comic book, like, like spaceman from planet X or what, or whatever that was, you know, on the, on, on the comic book that the little kid has in 1955, old man Peabody's son. And they're, they're just like, what the fuck do we do? Like this, this is like the, the guy bankrolling the film. Like we can't, we can't do this. So Spielberg went ahead and, uh, and called him or met with him or something. And he brought up the title and, and he, and basically just treated it like he thought Sid Sheinberg was, was joking. So he's just like, oh yeah, I got that. That was a good one. (laughs) And Sid Sheinberg was, I don't know, embarrassed. embarrassed. Yeah. So, (laughs) so he just, he just let it go. And that, that is how they kept back to the future. Cause Spielberg laughed at him and acted like it was a joke. It'd be like if, if, Fucking Lucas got his way and named Indy Four the uh, Saucer Men from Mars. Like that's what he wanted it to be, or something stupid like the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely <laughs> fucked up on that. Fuck. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull wasn't bad. No, I like I like that. Yeah, movie's not great, but the title works. Title does not say anything about mutt swinging with monkeys. Dial of Destiny. That sounds like a cut rate video game. It sounds like like one of those stupid video games that that they did. Like, it may as well be like Emperor's Tomb, or yeah. you know. Except it's like I don't know. Just the idea of a dial, like a tomb. Okay, that that a tomb belongs in indie, but a dial, really, a dial. It just rubs me the wrong fucking. The way. only kind of dial that it could be would be like a sundial. But if you called it a sundial of destiny, that would sound even stupider. Yeah, I mean, they could have just called it, you know, the MacGuffin of Adventure. Yeah, very very <laughs> generic. <laughs> So generally, I think one of the other things that this series does really well is uh, it's self-referential in all the right ways. And I don't know if that's because of the format of the story, but generally, like if there's a movie where they like in all three sequels kind of play the same joke, you know, you get the Mike Myers syndrome. I, I usually really dislike that, but I don't know if it's because it's a time travel movie and they're going kind of back to the, you know, they're everything's kind of mixing and reoccurring like you get characters that reoccur you know the actors at least reoccur over and over Mm -hmm. again they've got recognizable traits that's still kind of similar yeah buford mad dog tannen is definitely related to yes yeah you got all the same actors playing him and he gets manure on him every time i love that shit like it works well in this movie and i'm not entirely sure why but there's other movies where they do the same thing, where they play the same joke over and over, and it becomes tiresome. And I don't know, I can't quite put my finger on what the difference is. Off the top of my head, at least when we're using the Mike Myers comparison, it's that Mike Myers tries to, like, he doubles down when he does it. He doesn't just do it again, but he does it more. So, you know, in the in the first Austin Powers, we had the shh, shh. And that was hilarious. I fucking loved it. I laughed my ass off when I first saw it. And then in the second one, he, he had the zip it, I believe was, was yeah. the second one. And instead of just, just doing the little zip, zip, zip it, zip it, you know, and cutting him off a bunch, then he starts doing like, like zip it, zip it good. You know? And then, and then like, want to have a little suckle on my zipple? You know, it's like, he, he tries to, he thinks it's going to be funnier if he does it more and does it bigger. And I think they did the same thing with Wayne's World, though I can't think of a uh, a a specific instance. But but like I I feel like that's the Mike Myers method that drives me bonkers. Or he or he'll do it twice in one movie, you know. But but like with Back to the Future, there's something so innocent 
And like you said, self-referential in the right way of like, you know, when he wakes up from unconsciousness and he's like, oh, I had the worst dream. Yeah. I was in the, you know, the year or whatever. And it's like, well, you're safe here. And, the, and he's like, what? You know, it, it, it just works if they, they just do it once, once a movie and, and get out. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it, maybe the time travel thing and the fact that it's kind of overlapping and, and stuff anyway, like the plot is also overlapping. May, it plays to it. Um, There's a comfort to it. Yeah. Like, even though it's kind of weird that like when he goes back to the past, his, you know, the dude's wife, the, you know, Miss McFly is still his mom, even though that's like his dad's side. Like they're not related to his yeah. mom at all, but you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you know, and, and speaking to that one, I loved how, you know, in the old ones, you know, in the first one he says, but you're so, you're so thin, you know, seeing his young mom. And then when he sees alternate present mom with her giant fake tits and he's like, you're so big, like looking down. At and then <laughs> I loved how in the third one, he's like, you're my, my, my you're, who are you? You know, like, yeah. like he, the, like the, the, that was something a little refreshing. You know, he's like, I don't, I don't actually know who you are. You just remind me of my mom. Yeah. So for, for some reason it works for me and it works. For also, it was not written as a trilogy, right? Like, no, but it, the way that they tie everything together in each one, like, I mean, it, it is a very well thought out timeline. There's not a lot of big holes in it. Yeah. So they, they wrote the first one just as a one-off, um, that scene in the end, you know, where he's like, it's your kids, something's got to be done about your kids, you know, roads, we don't need any roads. That was just for fun. That was just a, a cool, fun cliffhanger that they decided to do for the end of the movie. It had nothing to do with any plans for a sequel. So it was years later when, when they came to the Bobs and they were like, do you want to do a sequel? And basically, like, they had such a great time with it. They're like, well, sure. You know, if, if Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd are in, then we're in because otherwise we don't have a movie. Like, it, it has to be about them. So they went to the, to the actors and they basically said, as, as long as the bobs are in, we're doing it. So hooray, they did it. They started writing the script. Originally, the movie was too big. Like they were, I mean, well, first they, they were going to have the third act take place in the 1960s, like with Vietnam and fucking Lorraine was going to be a flower child and shit. And Marty was going to go to jail. And, and, and so, but, but they, they decided that that was, that was too much. That's when they decided to go back to the first one because what an opportunity to be able to walk through the first one from a different perspective and i'm i'm so glad they thought that that was cool because i agree but then they were also going to go to the old west in the second one wow. and then they read the script and they're like oh that's there's there's already a lot in the second one like they go to the future do the whole future thing come back biff steals the sports book and then they have to go back to 1955 again like there's a lot there yeah. yeah can you imagine the the production design which by the way is fucking brilliant but I'll, I'll i'll wait on that so then they uh they decided to split it into two movies so that that way they you got your old west picture and they decided to do which was uncommon back then shoot them back to back um almost i mean basically non-stop it was an 11 shoot or 11 month shoot and after they shot Back to the Future 2, Bob Gale was basically doing the Michael J. Fox. Or no, sorry, Bob Zemeckis was doing the Michael J. Fox thing where he would be up in Sonora, California. He'd take a private plane down to Burbank and then be there for the edit of Back to the Future 2 at night. And then fly back to Sonora for, for shooting the next day. But apparently he only did it for like two weeks. 
and he was probably just supervising the edit. Like he, he wasn't sitting there and cutting himself. So that's, I mean, that's why the movies came out a year apart. Well, I will end two does not really end. I mean, it ends, but like it is not a resolved ending at all. Basically the empire strikes back of this. Yeah. What's right. Like it feels like it was made as a trilogy. Yeah. You know, like they all work together well enough that it feels like it was meant to be a trilogy even though I, I, I didn't think the first one was written with that in mind, because it does kind of wrap itself up with a little stinger at the end. Yeah. I mean, I mean and, the, and that was a, a brilliant bit of foresight, because, you know, now, now it all feels right. I mean, yes, it was, but unfortunately, it feels like so many movies these days have to feel like obliged <laughs> to do the same thing. And, yeah. it, and, it, and like, I'm kind of jaded to it now. Like, if Back to the Future came out today and it ended like that, I would be like, oh, of course. Can't just let it be a movie. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Um, And thankfully, due to them uh, shooting Back to the Future 3, they were able to cut a trailer to show at the end. They basically attached it to Back to the Future 2. So when people go, what the fuck? Like, like you said, this doesn't this isn't an ending. Like Doc Brown's gone. You've gotten a letter and Marty's going back to get help like this is definitely not the end of a story so then they 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 were able to show the trailer like here's what's coming next year you know don't don't worry we're gonna finish this i had to look it up because i was curious uh apparently this whole ordeal happens in what would be perceived by marty as like 20 days that much i thought i thought it was like yeah like like two weeks oh i guess that's not not far far from 20 days I mean, and I think some of that's because, like, in the third one, he's, you know, they're kind of, like, waiting around for, like, four or five days. Yeah, for the train yeah that's to true. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, Back <laughs> to the Future 2 probably takes place in, like, two days. Yeah. And so, like, I kind of calculated it out in my mind. Like, the main plot for, for Doc is, like, nine months because he spent eight months in the Old West. And the rest of it happened, you know, there was, you know, about about a month before that. But then at the very end, he comes back and he's got, like, kids. So, like. All in all, it's like nine or nine years or so, nine or 10 years for Doc. And then for like Jennifer, I think the whole thing takes place over the course of like eight conscious hours. (laughs) (laughs) She's unconscious for most of the movie. (laughs) Thank goodness, too. Yeah, like they they they've said that they, you know, that was the one place they shot themselves in the foot was having Jennifer there at the end, because all of a sudden she has to be there. Yeah, they they can't just leave her. So, I mean. I guess they could have sedated her back in, in the 80s, but like that's why they came up with the sedation thing. It probably would have been better than just sedating her and like stashing her in an alley in the yeah. future. Like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> why oh, not boy. leave her in the car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but going back to what you were saying about, about Doc living eight months in the Old West, like it's weird to think that before, like the way this movie plays with time travel and fate and all, and, um, and, you know, how events can affect, you know, like the main timeline. It just changes. Before Marty actually travels back in time, like you see Doc's headstone. Like, oh, oh, so I guess he didn't live a long life because he, he got shot in the back by yeah, Buford Tan. there about eight months over a matter oh, of yeah. $30 or $80. Yeah, it should have been $88. Yeah, yeah. Missed opportunity. Yeah. There. You want to take a break? Um, yes. I dare you. Oh, yeah. Can't break with me. Yeah. I don't think you have the balls to do it. Be right back. Should have called me chicken. Oh, gee. <laughs> Honestly, 
I don't think I really care for that mechanic. Like they had to do some, they had to give Marty something because the first movie was basically Marty and George's movie. Like Marty was just there to facilitate. Yeah. Um, but, but like they, they, they were talking about how they had to give him something in the sequels to, to have some like character arc besides just trying to get home. So they threw in that chicken thing, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like the way it, I think I saw the sequels so much more as a kid that it was a part of Marty's character to me. But then when I started watching the original one more, I realized that it wasn't there and I'm like, Oh, I like it better when it's not there except in the future when dude's got the, the button he presses on his chest plate and it goes, we should all be carrying around soundboards all the time. I don't know why we're not. I mean, we have phones. Like we literally could be carrying around soundboards and mocking people with them. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's take a break. Okay. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going on a trip. We're sending you back to the future. The future is here on video cassette from MCA. Take home the movie that blew America away and drove audiences wild. The hottest thing to come to the screen. Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film. Back to the Future, now on video and in stores everywhere. Welcome back, Ben. Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. To, um, the, to the future? This is the future It now. is the future yeah. from, from when we uh, <laughs> started the break. I want to take you back in time to the early days of Geek Exploration, the podcast. Oh, where's the DeLorean? Oh, I do not have one of those. Oh, bummer. Nope. I want to do a ranking list. Oh, shit. But I'm going to make you also do a ranking list. Oh, shit. It's easy. It's not that exciting. (laughs) I want you to rank the movies. Okay, yeah, that is fairly easy. Yeah. I mean, as uh, uninspired as it is, I think I would go one, two, three. Okay. No, that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. And what what are your parameters? Like quality of film or how much you enjoy them? No, or both? It's always how much I enjoy it. Like, okay. I, like I'm not as enough of a film critic to be like, well, well the lighting in this one was Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like uh, movies for me are almost always like, did I enjoy them or did I not? And, you know, even if it's even like objectively bad films, as long as I enjoy them, it's okay. Like I, I they'll, they'll rank higher than something that I know is good but I didn't enjoy. And I guess with these movies, the quality is pretty consistent. Yeah. It's, it's consistent enough that, that it's like the, the only reason you would or would not like back to the future three more than others is how you feel about the Western aspect of it. It's not because it's poorly made. It's just, well, I don't want to see doc and Marty in a Western town. That's not, that's not as interesting to me. My reasoning here is like, like I said before, one is just nearly a perfect movie. It's a good, concise, you know, it's a complete movie. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, kind of like we were talking about with Empire. Yeah. Two is good. It was the first one I saw, so it, it holds a special place in my heart. It, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I wish 2015 was really like that. Yeah. You know, we have the power to have an 80s cafe with like AI, Michael Jackson, and Max Hedrum. Yeah. Beans, chicken, beep, beep, beef, or pork. Yes. I always loved Someone could do that, and I would go there, and it and it would at least once. I don't know if that would keep them in business, but I'd do it. Your 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 <laughs> diet Pepsi uh, dispenses from the countertop from below. Yeah. They have that technology now. Yeah, uh, I've been to bars that use that for beer. 
you know, and, and then the whole replay, the first one, like it was fun. But like, like we said, it doesn't really have an ending. It's kind of it is a middle movie. And then the third the third one, honestly, that's the only one I watched prior to this because it was the one I don't have a really good memory of. And uh, my memory of it was that it was just not good, that it was a bad movie. It was it was a bummer. And uh, no, it was pretty fucking good. I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, it's not a bad flick. Yeah. And like, and I did, there was a lot of stuff I didn't, I kind of vaguely remembered the plot and that was about it, but it, it was really good, but it wasn't better than the second one. And neither of them were better than the first one, but the drop in quality is not like the matrix. It, you know, it's not like it, it, it's a nosedive to mediocrity. Like it's, it's just a gentle slope to not quite as good. You know, it's interesting. The parallels of these two fran of those two yeah. franchises, because I mean, from your perspective, but also from mine with the matrix, I like the second one the most. Oh, really? Like, like and it's probably for, for similar reasons. So with back to the future, I understand that the first one is the best, you know, it, it, it did it so well. It established everything. And like you said, you know, and, and I, I remember you also saying this about, um, star Wars episode four, like it is its own movie. It doesn't depend on anything else. It doesn't need sequels. So I guess the parallels are there too. Um, but I think as far as watchability goes, I, I'm more likely to watch back to the future too than the original one. And I think it's just because, you know, same thing with, with, uh, with matrix revolutions. Like there's just so much happening. There's so much more action. I'm already into this world that was set up in a wonderful movie, but now I just get to play the whole time. I am in love with the, uh, the future. And, uh, I thought the, the dark, you know, skewed tangent, uh, 1985 was cool. And then going back through the first movie with, with a new Michael J. Fox was fucking awesome. And, and well, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about the movies, so I don't need to go on and on about it, but, but yeah, I go, I go two, one, three, as far as watching Angelina likes three, possibly the most that's, I think she, I, I, she may like one more, but it definitely goes at least one, three, two. I mean, I thought that when you told me that before I watched three, I was like, whoa, that's, that's a hot take, uh, you know, but three's got a lot of charm. Like it is, it's still solidly a back to the future movie. Like there was a, a, a numerous times where I found myself really enjoying it. Well, yeah, let's, let's get into three. We don't have to go in order. Fuck no. We, we do what we want. Yeah. We're adults. So. Personally, I mean, ju just to get into three, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on the, the end of two, my, my little brain was blown by the end of two, how like doc gets, gets zapped Killed, by lightning. Possibly. I, I right? remember the first time I saw it, I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, and, and that's another thing where I get transported back to the first time I saw it. It's, it's, I'm just like, holy shit. Like I'm in Marty's shoes and I'm like, saw my friend get struck by lightning and he is gone. And then to, you know, for it to start raining and then dude pulls up with a letter from doc from the old West. Like it just, it gives me such fucking chills. And you're like, oh shit, like, here we go. You know, the, the adventure is continuing. And then, um, yeah, what a great lead in to part three. And honestly, the old West is a solid place to go. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of meat on that bone. Like there's a lot of tropes that you could play with and they do like when he first walks into town and he's like looking around and it's not like a, 
it's less of like a uh, like you know old west movie where everything is kind of charming. Like there's guys building coffins and mm-hmm. uh, you know and he steps he has to jump out of the way and steps in a big pile of horse shit. Everyone's looking at him weird because he's dressed like a 1950s like a singing what? cowboy. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we can't say what they were probably thinking. Yeah, and and I mean it was uh, and apparently Hill Valley is also in Monument Valley, Arizona, which I thought, <laughs> like, where is this? Like, it's supposed to be in California, right? Like, I, I remember thinking this is weird. because like they go to that drive-in theater and it's clearly in Monument Valley because like they're doing a Western. So that's yeah. where they would. And even the mural the like took place on Monument Valley. Sure. I guess that's in California now. You know, they got a bunch of old Western actors in there to, to do stuff. It had um, Pat Buttram. Which, uh, is that the bartender? No, he's, he's the guy that says like, uh, well, he looks like he got his clothes off a dead Chinaman or something like that. Uh, okay. he's the, he was the sheriff of Nottingham in, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. In yeah, Robin the, Hood. Yeah. Which, the character actor, I, for some reason uh, that name didn't ring the bell. Sorry. Which, uh, you know, hearing his voice always brings a smile on my yep. face. Oh man. It's a pleasure to see you. When I saw him and heard when i heard him speak i was like oh yes that's yep. it's like it's like hearing an old friend mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't seem as tight as far as continuity goes like there was a couple points in the movie where i i questioned what was going on that i don't think i had in the other ones yeah i mean one of those is strickland even though like like there clearly has to have been another generation but for some reason or maybe it was just when I was a kid. I was thinking like, oh, that's the Strickland that becomes principal. I was like, no, because then in 1985, he would have been, you know, 110 years old. Yes. And he was not. Yeah, but, okay. but at least you see the the Strickland family line. Oh, yeah. And he's talking to his son like, you know, that's how you deal with these yeah. guys. And they they made a big deal about the canyon being named. Um, what was it? Um, Clayton. Clayton, Clayton Canyon because she fell into the canyon. And, you know, but Doc screwed that up by rescuing her, except on his tombstone, it said his beloved Clara. So, like, when was he supposed to have met her if she fell in on her way into town? Oh, yeah, that that would not have. Yeah, that that probably would have changed in, uh, you know, a long yeah, those, history timeline. Those both yeah. couldn't have been something that happened originally. So, man, you just ruined the movie for me. That and that, like, they go to that the festival and... uh they're taking everyone's guns because they Buford Tannen to roll in there without a gun or with his secret gun only. But there's a guy in there with guns who just gives Marty a gun. Well, that was for that was for the uh, the carnival shooting. Yeah, thing. But it's like like it's supposed to be like an un, like no guns allowed in here except for this guy who can just give guns out to whoever he wants. Yeah, he's a fa- uh, oh yeah. <laughs> was he is he selling guns in there like? Did he lobby for the no guns thing? So in case there was a gunfight, everyone had to buy a gun from him. <laughs> yeah, he's in with the uh, with the town <laughs> official. Um, one thing that always bothered me when I was younger was in the very beginning, you know, when 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 they're back at the mural at the drive in and they're talking about, you know, like he should reach 88 miles per hour by the time he hits the mural, basically. Yeah, I always thought it just seemed like Marty was an absolute fucking idiot when he says the line like. Well, I'm going to run into those Indians there or like, unless he's just talking about running into the mural. I think and that's just, exactly what he was talking about. Oh, shit. Can right? you cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> until this very moment, as I was saying that, I never even thought of that. I just like the, the fact that he's saying I'm going to run into those Indians there. I, I took it as if he assumed that there would be Indians in the past, which there were. 
They're definitely but right, yeah. but like but that was the gag. Yeah, but shit. <laughs> well, good. That I mean, means you don't have something. That there's one less thing yeah. that you dislike about this movie. You know, I think I would feel less stupid if I hadn't on our break gotten a Red Bull and a shot of vodka. <laughs> so, so now, now I just, like I, I still would have I would have had the same problem, but I think I feel extra stupid because I've got extra things in me now. You know, they had the whole like walking into the saloon and everyone's quiet. Like they were able to play on all the Western tropes. Yeah. Yeah. And, when like, he's coming into town and people are staring weird, just like when Clint Eastwood rolls into a, into a town on a horse. Well, yeah. Like the, the part where they're talking about like, oh, Clint Eastwood will be remembered for all time as a coward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, and just the, the yeehaws per minute in this movie is off the fucking chart. Oh, like, yeah. Anytime anyone's riding a horse in or out of town or moving around, quick, everyone's like, yeehaw. it's almost i mean it's it's i I, it's like a caricature of a western movie and it's fun yeah like i enjoyed it i liked in this movie how you know in the past movies marty was was the one you know the the character who's uh out of his depth and the one who's more like impulsive and emotional and stuff and then they swap it in this one you know where like all of a sudden marty's the one that's like no we have to do this we have to get here and doc is is thinking with his heart he's all love for the first time yeah and he and he's being really irresponsible and like i loved how even at one part like michael j fox says great scott and doc's like i know this is heavy you know like, even even in their lines like it could have been really cheeseball but it came off sincere i don't know i think this movie is a really great movie it's it's just so different you know that, and it's and it's hard to put it above the others. I think but, I think it's less different than I thought it was, though. Is the thing like when I went back and watched, it, like it, it's clearly a Back to the Future movie. Yeah, yeah. It, like it fits the mold, and it you know, like I said, it turns a little things up, a few things upside down. But uh, like the like I I knew it was him, but like my brain just couldn't connect that that Mad Dog Tannen was the same actor that played Biff because he looks so much different and he acts different. Like like yeah. he, he's playing up the you know, filthy vagabond horse wrestling Western villain in it. Yeah. And he fucking kills it. Jeez, when he's like, oh yeah, you're Mad Dog Tannen. He's like, Mad Dog, I hate that name. You know, like he sounds so different. You know, and like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was kind of funny to see Michael J. Fox doing like Michael Jackson moves to confuse them when they're shooting at his feet. And then that that friggin' spit bucket getting dumped on him. Like that that, you know, that that was like a like a Another like, you know, just little foreshadowing the manure thing. But, you know, and speaking about his fight with with Mad Dog and their ability to plan ahead with these things is like they planted the seed in Back to the Future 2 where fucking Donald Trump Biff is watching. I don't know. One of the men with no name movies. I don't know which one it was. Was it one of the? Yeah. Where, where, where Clint Eastwood has the, uh, the stove oh, yeah. top front that, that makes him bulletproof and Marty ends up using that. Like they planted that seed in back to the future too. And I loved how they, they went back to kind of the, the first one where they had this scheme that all had to be planned out to the second, yes. you know, with, with, with attaching the locomotive to the, the DeLorean and having the different, uh, the different levels of burning bundles, yeah, whatever yeah. those are, the different colors. The plot device bundles. Yes. Yeah. It's so tense. Yeah. Oh, man. Odin. I was watching it with Odin. Was this his first time? I think, yes, it was. Oh, cool. He'd seen, he'd seen the first two, but I don't think he'd seen three. Okay. And at that end train scene, he was like gripping the couch. Like he doesn't do well with suspense. And yeah. he was 
like in it, like on the edge of his seat, oh, just yeah. like what? Yeah, yeah, like like you, I could see it was stressing him out as awesome. to whether or not they would make it. And it, I mean, because it it goes for a while, and it is it's an intense scene with you know trying to walk out and Doc going back, and then they're falling out and the they pass the windmill and well, and especially the first time you're watching it, you're assuming that Doc is going to get back into the DeLorean with Clara yep. and they're going to go back. So when all this shit's happening, like at the last second, you're like, what the fuck? How like, the fuck are they going to no do this? What the fuck is going it. on? Yeah. And, and like, yeah. despite the bad, um, like blue screen compositing shit, when, when, uh, when Doc goes away yeah. on the hoverboard with Clara, like, like that, that scene is, is brilliant in how tense it is. Like, like, and cause you never, you never for a second think that, Doc's not going to go back to the future with him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Marty's going to like the DeLorean. It's going to work. Yeah. They're like it's, that's not going to crash. And but, it goes right to the last fucking second. Yeah. It, well, yeah. It's intense. I mean, same thing with the, the first movie, the ending mm-hmm. of the first movie. Absolutely. Like, the intensity and suspense in the, like, is it going to work? You know, he's Doc's trying to get the thing plugged back in. Marty's got to get the car started. Yeah. They play that very well in both movies. The first one was the only movie that I was able to rewatch before before doing this. I I I wanted to watch them all, but for some reason I just couldn't get myself to do it. As much as I love these movies, it was almost like I was putting a rule on myself or, or I was giving myself an order and I was saying to myself like fuck you, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to watch this movie when I want to because I want to. <laughs> Eat shit. I've seen these a thousand times. I can talk about them. But, so that's why I went more the documentary route because I was like, that'll be more interesting yeah. uh, information. More, yeah, there. exactly. Well, and we've seen those first two movies so many times. Like I've seen the third one a shit ton also. You know, yeah. It's, yeah, it's 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 my least favorite, but I still love it. No, yeah, it was it was so much better than I thought it was going to be with the glaring exception of the end of that movie. Had you forgotten? I don't know if I'd forgotten, but like, it was the only part that was like, yes, this part is as bad as I remembered it. Like the whole, you know, train coming back. They've got the time traveling train and he's got his kids, Jules and Fern. And then it the flying time traveling. Yeah, train. he tosses them a, a picture and then flies away. It's like that did not need to be there at all. They could have just left it where it was. You know, what would have been a great he goes home with Jennifer and there's a package that's been delivered, and it's that picture from Doc, yeah. from the past. Yes, that would have been way more tasteful. Would let you know that, uh, I mean, and it wouldn't even need to be a time-traveling thing. It could have just been dropped off by, like, a courier, you know, been yeah. like, like the letter oh, exactly. at the end of the second one. Yeah. Nice and simple, just a nice memory of, of him and Doc. Yeah. See, I'm almost afraid to say something that I have a problem with right now because it may be really easily explainable and I'll sound (laughs) stupid again. But something that's always driven me bonkers is that when they're at the tracks, you know, looking at the destroyed DeLorean, the the like ding, 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 and the things come. They're looking like, where's the fucking train? Why is this coming down? Like, do these sensors have like time uh, dilation sensors in them? Like, why are they keeping traffic away for a time travel train that's about to come into into it safety john safety i guess uh, at least i wasn't crazy on that one but yeah how the fuck did he build that time train he had clara's help and apparently she's got a telescope <laughs> yeah like <laughs> so, I, I don't know. steam power yeah mm-hmm. but how does he generate the 1.21 gigawatts necessary for time travel on that note 
it's fully gigawatts, and that's always bothered me. My you know, I, life. I, it was in one of these documentaries over the years that I saw where, like, I think the the gigawatts was just a gaffe. Like, oh, like somebody yeah. just said it on accident. And they're like, "Oh, we love that. Make it gigawatts." But yeah, it it was originally supposed to be gigawatts and not supposed to not not supposed to have been something that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's uh, you know, like does Doc go? You know, does he need to go get a new twenty gigabyte? hard drive <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh should i start saying gigabyte no just, just, no no i mean like <laughs> like in work meetings and stuff like oh like like the gif versus gif thing yeah honestly at this point i'm not gonna have the argument i don't care what actually right and what the creator intended or anything no it's gif it's totally gif yeah and if shit. you say if you say gif that's fine i guess i'm gonna i'm gonna think you're silly you're a choosy mom but because <laughs> you chose Jif. <laughs> but the second you try to correct me and tell me it's Jif, eat shit. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take you down a peg. In a work meeting though, if you have the opportunity to to put a requisition in for a 1.21 gigabyte hard drive, you should. It's not a very big yeah. hard drive. Yeah, jeez, like even a 1.21 <laughs> terabyte hard yeah. drive isn't that big anymore. So yeah, uh what do you want to talk about next? Number 1 or number 2? Um, I don't know. What do you got to say? I mean, honestly, I could talk about part two all day. I love that movie so much. Um, like I've already said, the vision of the future. I love how they, they got to go into, um, you know, they, they already had such a well-established, uh, courtyard space, basically like, like the, the world of back to the future was so well-established, like visually more than anything. Like yeah. you, you see that clock tower, you know exactly where you are. And I love going to Universal Studios, even though I haven't been in over, yeah, and there it know, is. Like two decades. Jeez. Um, and yeah, the courtyard's there. I love seeing it in other movies too. So for them to be able to go back and redesign everything, you know, like you, you have the theater with the Jaws 13 holographic shark. And, you know, instead of, uh, instead of the, you know, cafe in the fifties, it's now cafe eighties. And like, whereas in the eighties, it was like an, like an exercise cafe. You know, just all the landscaping that's now, you know, like the, the pool and there, there's all that glass on the clock tower now. I, I don't know what that is. Is it town hall? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And then you have flying cars and just like, it's familiar, but it's, but it's different. It's futuristic. Like it's, it's what you could imagine, you know, a place that we know very well, like in Folsom where we grew up, like in 50 years, if it's updated, you know, all futuristic, like we would still know the place, but it's. It's something different and exciting. And I love the, just the visual aesthetic of what like the eighties thought the future would look like. Cause yeah. it's still so fucking eighties. Yeah. Like the, the like Kidding. the clothes everyone's the wearing. The neon. Yeah. Like it is, it's just like eighties, but future question mark. Like the, just the clothing is so ridiculous. And, uh, I wish that's what we were wearing in 2015. That would have been great. Helmets for no fucking reason. And, I, I wouldn't put it, well, I guess high school me wouldn't put it past you to wear your pants inside out. Yeah. <laughs> I should start that. Yeah. It'd be cool to have, to have, uh, power laces and, and self drying jackets. Thing is, I think they could do that. Like the hoverboard, not, not quite, but like power laces, they could make that a thing. Yeah. You, and we got wireless charging now. You could just sh set your shoes on a thing so they'd charge overnight. It was funny. It, like they were in the documentary I was watching. Spielberg was talking about how like, well, they were all talking about how like 
we know we're not going to have flying cars in 2015, but we're just going to take the opportunity to do it because it's cool. And but like Spielberg was like, I really wanted us to have power laces by then. <laughs> like that was the thing he really wanted. See, the thing is, he's probably got, he could make that happen. Like he's got enough money. He could finance <laughs> power laces. Are you kidding me? Yeah. See, I, I remember a few years back, um, they were, I feel like I remember hearing something about power laces, but I don't, I don't think it actually happened, but. It wouldn't be hard to do even. Like you just have to be able to tension them in the back of the shoe. I bet someone on YouTube has made power lace shoes. Like Hacksmith or one of those, those channels that makes shit like that. And I love the sound too. The psh, psh. But it will. That movie, too, also kind of introduced me, like, you know, it introduced into my time travel fantasies the idea of, like, going to the future and getting something like that sports betting book or lottery numbers. Gray's Sports Almanac. Yeah. And uh, coming back and then just, you know, utilizing your knowledge of the future to to become Biff. Quick question for you. When you were a kid, did you ever believe that the hoverboard was real? Like that I could go get one? That, well, okay. I remember like schoolyard talk back in back in the day saying the hoverboard did exist and it was going to be, you know, coming to Toys R Us. Memory of that as well, too. Yeah. Like, I remember that being a thing and people like bought into it and believed it. I believed it for a minute. I was just like, there's no way I could ever get one. But wow, it, you know, it, it exists to 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 quote Marv or paraphrase Marv from uh, Home Alone. We were kids. Kids are stupid. Yep. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. It's unavoidable. But I, I love seeing replicas of that thing. I would love to own one. You know, it, it's so cool looking like, okay. So knowing what you know about hover technology and like electromagnets and stuff, would it be possible for someone to create like a, like an actual track, uh, you know, that that's, that's magnetized and then have like two electromagnets under a board and that you could hover on it. Well, kind of. The, they have. They have. That is a thing. Oh, okay. We've they, probably talked about it on the show. Yeah. So basically, you you have to um, super cool it, right? You have to super cool it because it needs to be a superconductor to magnetically lock in the field in the same spot. Okay. And so it only lasts as long as it's you know. So you pour like liquid nitrogen in it and fucking cool it down to as close to absolute zero as you can, and then it only works until it heats up eventually. But if they ever figured out room temperature superconductors, which mm-hmm. they are working on and they've made, made some pretty good advances on because it'd be super great for like power transmission and shit because you have resistanceless lines. Would that essentially be what like the hypertrain is that they've been trying to develop for years? Yeah, they could use that. I think that uses electromagnets. Like, like most, of the, most of those use electromagnets, but it's, you know, the problem is getting that much power into a, something you could stand on. You know, a train's easy. You could pack it full of whatever power generation yeah, shit just you need. tons of shit under on the on the bottom side but the, if they do room conduction room temperature sem- superconductors jeez uh then uh yeah they c- you know it could just stay locked and as long as you were on whatever the you know the track surface was that it was it was mag- magnetized mm-hmm. you'd be good so like you could have like a roller drome track where everything was hovering cool and we'll be way too old to cash in on it because when we fall off the hoverboard, we'll break our fucking hips. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. My hip basically a, broken right now. We so. could get a hover walker after that. Yeah. I'd take a hover chair. Yeah. If I like Professor, Professor X, X? That shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after the future. Oh, wait. Sorry. Pizza rehydration. 
tiny little like cookie sized pizza that you can do hydrate level four and it's just a big fucking steamy gooey pizza oh i take that shit to work all the time oh jeez yeah you'd put one on your dashboard so you wouldn't have to sit there all (laughs) let it slowly hydrate itself (laughs) (laughs) yeah the future was cool on there even though they still used faxes i mean you can't predict everything (laughs) yeah but video calls like it, it was there virtual reality with the goggles not quite. We didn't quite make it by 2015, but no. you know, what are you going to do? Do you remember whatever it is? I can't remember. It's October. For some reason, I've got both 12th and 26th, or maybe it's November 26th. For what? But like the actual day that he was in the future. Like uh, when, when, in 2015, like it was like back to the future day. You know, like people were celebrating everywhere. Like it, it was. I, I, don't remember it, so I don't think I did anything. Yeah, I mean, I probably was it just November, watched like the November twelfth was the day in nineteen fifty five. Was it the same one oh, in no, in the future? If only I had a machine in front of me, or three, because two is not enough to find out that information. The future just keeps letting us down, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we went from from there to. Alternate 1985. Yeah, like dystopian 1985. Sammy Hagar music. Where, yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> where, uh, yeah, Biff getting a casino just ruined everything, I guess. is that Was that the implications? Was that Biff being rich was just too much for society and it all fell apart? At least in Hill Valley. Yeah. Funny if the rest of the world was just fine and they're just like, fuck Hill Valley. Yeah, yeah we'll just build a wall around it. Yeah. Biff like, can have his little domain. Yeah, it's, it's Hill Valley's like Compton or something where, or, I hope I'm not being too, uh, I think Compton was pretty famously shitty. Okay. So I think good. you're okay. Yes. Yeah. Just a shitty, shitty city or Detroit. Let's, let's call let's call it that RoboCop Detroit. Yeah. Drive by shootings. And- yeah. Like no school fucking Biff owns the police. I wonder what he stands to gain from a town like Hill Valley. Like it doesn't seem like there's any metropolitan city or anything or that much money to go around there. But they built that big ass casino. There must be some money to go around. Maybe people come there to gamble and uh, participate in whatever other horrible vices. You know, like if you want to go and you know lose three thousand dollars on blackjack and uh, kill a homeless guy, Hill Valley is the place to go. Hey, Red, <laughs> but he's not dead yet. Crazy drunk pedestrians. But uh, yeah, Biff was a piece of work. In that one, like, like he's kind of, he's a butthead everywhere else, but, uh, well, he's a real piece of shit. Yeah. In the he's, he's a fucking criminal mastermind, man. And beating his wife. Mm-hmm. Threatening to cut off the kids and fucking sending Marty off to boarding school, which was clever in, in order to have him not worry about running into his old, his, uh, his parallel part. Same thing with Doc Brown being committed. Like they, they don't have to worry about that. Like they're like, we're going to worry about it in the future. We're going to worry about it in the past. Let's, let's not add that to, to this part here. Um, yeah, he's going to straight up kill Marty. Like he killed George McFly. Damn. And not the, uh, Crispin Glover version because they did not recast him for this second and third movie. No. Yeah. So there's, there's actually a bit of controversy. So the facts that, that, that are, that are on the table is that he did not come back. And they, they brought in Jeffrey Weissman, but what they did was they used prosthetics from the molds of Crispin Glover's face. Oh, so, from when he was aged? Yeah. So they were trying to make Jeffrey Weissman look like George McFly. Jeffrey Weissman was doing a Crispin Glover and George McFly impression. 
that actually ended up with uh, Crispin Glover suing them. And, oh, and did he really? Oh, I know yeah. he, I know he wasn't a big fan of it. Oh no, he's I've heard in the interview of him saying like that wasn't me and it was an awful performance and like he was real bitter about yeah. it. Yeah. Did you watch the Collider video? No. Oh, okay. I don't think Sorry. so. I just saw saw somewhere it was years ago, saw an interview of where he was because I didn't I, I at that point I didn't know it wasn't him. Like I didn't really it never really clicked with me until I saw a clip of him, you know, being really salty about it not being him. Even when I was a little kid, it just sounded wrong when he was upside down George McFly in the future. But yeah, he he sued them and won. And they actually it, it ended up creating laws for for using an actor's likeness. And well, so, that'll come in handy soon. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. become incredibly relevant. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, at least Bruce Willis signed his stuff off. So we're we're about to see some Bruce oh, Willis yeah. performances performed by someone else. Oh, that's gonna be weird. Well, and they hadn't parted ways when they when they were writing the second one, from what I heard, because like the reason they had him hanging upside down, like they, I guess he was hard to work with, uh, because he was just, um, I mean, have you seen interviews with the guy? He seems oh, like he could be hard to dude, work with. Watch him on Letterman. Letterman? Yes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Holy, shit. I don't he's know if it was like a, a shtick or if he's just fucking. Nuts. I think it was shtick. Yeah, I, I've seen him in interviews where he's fairly normal. He's he's a little he's eccentric, a little weird, but though, but yeah. yeah. But I guess that he had, he had an issue with, uh, like, he'd never hit his marks. Like, you know, you're supposed to, you know, go from here and you should be standing next to this person, you know, where the camera, you know, in this part of the camera frame. And he was just really bad at ending up where he was supposed to end oh, up. Oh, yeah? And it was a, a fight the whole time. And so the reason they had him hanging upside down in the second one was because he couldn't miss his mark then. He would be right where he needed to be. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I'd, I'd heard they did that in, in a way to cover up the fact that it wasn't him, just to throw another level of deception. But I did hear that, hear that about the first one, how he'd do things like like when he's talking to Marty outside at like the clothesline and he's got like a broom or something, and he would do like these weird like flourishes with it. And Bob Zemeckis is like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? He's like, it's a sweep of indignation or something like that. And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, he's, yeah, he is a he is a quirky dude. That said, Donna does a great fucking job in the first movie. Like, oh, I, love I, I love his George McFly. Like he's Crispin Glover's pretty great. Yeah, he is. He's just he's a weird dude. Yeah, weird dude. Yeah, and and there there's been like an ongoing back and forth between him and Bob Gale. Him and Zemeckis, Crispin Glover and Zemeckis have made up and worked together since then, but. Bob Gale just like goes at him in interviews, just like either talking about how, how difficult he was to work with or how he asked for too much money. And ha like there, there was a, in the, in the, the filming of the first one in the end, like he did have a big problem with the fact that the movie ended with the message that, that, you know, everyone lived happily ever after because of monetary gain. And he had a problem with that. I can kind of see that, you know, like, oh, you go back to the present and things are so much better and, and they're making money and they're prosperous and stuff, but you know, whatever. He's more confident. He's writing books. He's successful now, but. But yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think part of it though, is that, you know, he was more successful because the events of the movie made him more confident. It wasn't like he won the lottery at the end of, <laughs> in 1955. It's like, I'm happy and now. And that's the only reason his life got better. His life got better because what if George he was more confident and comfortable with himself. We just never saw that happen. <laughs> and I've, I've watched a few interviews with Crispin Glover where, where he's, he's just like gone on record saying like, no, like I just didn't, I didn't agree with them and, and it wasn't monetary. And I, and I just, I, I didn't want to be a part of it. 
and like he's he he despises Bob Gale. Yeah, he gets he gets heated about it. Like he's he starts with like I don't really want to talk about it, and then like, like <laughs> and and that you know the, like like you were saying like he's really pissed because people think that that's his performance, and he thinks it is a poor performance. Yeah, and and that's that's justifiable. So, okay, one thing we haven't touched on that before we get into whatever little bit of structure we might want to have at the end of this thing, if any, music. Yeah. that The Back to the Future theme is... Uh, the Alan Silvestri score? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The theme. Yeah. Is freaking awesome. Like, yeah. It, it's really good. Did Alan Silvestri do the third one? I imagine he did. Because I remember... Or I remember it was like two days ago when I watched it thinking the music in this is not as good. It didn't seem as stirring as the first one. To me. Maybe he tried to Western it up or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like being in a, oh yeah. Cause it was like the, I'm almost like the same music from Blazing Saddles. I was like, this is like, this might be the same melody I, from blazing saddles I, I would here? be shocked if it wasn't Silvestri, like just doing his like you know yeehaw uh score for it because yeah like i don't know how much it would fit like throughout the entire thing i don't know it, it's it's such a different feel from the other movies like yeah it doesn't go as exciting as you know the future and back to the future too it doesn't go as dark as the uh the alternate present no one's making out with their mom yeah and like even Marty and Doc are both having to wrap their heads around this situation that they're in. But in part two, it's just like, all right, well, we got to do more of this. Yeah, here's the problem. Let's solve it. And they, they have the solution to the problem 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah, they're like, and then this just, is the thing we got to do. So now we got to execute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a, it, it is a little different. Uh, but one thing I liked about the, uh, it's somewhat, I can't remember where, I, someone mentioned this and uh, like I hadn't noticed it before. And I uh, and it's true, and I like it. Is the main theme, or any of Alan Silvestri's music, does not kick in until the DeLorean is unveiled. It's like the first like thirty minutes of the movie. It's all you know, Huey Lewis, and there might be some fan hand. Yeah, or and like little twinkles. Yeah, it's like yeah, like rock rock and roll. Like like it's it's like a standard teen movie until like the DeLorean gets whipped out, and then like now it's that it's, intense music. Now it's like a fucking fantasy. You know, like now it's a a sci-fi fantasy movie. Like now there's magic happening and, uh, changes the feel of the movie from there forward. And I really like that idea. Oh, that'll be, that'll be cool to notice next time I watch. And I didn't know that, um, the power of love was written for that movie. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't, I don't really get it. Like, like you're, you're like, okay, I'm going to write a song for this sci-fi comedy movie, but I'm going to call it the power of love. Well, so the thing about that is, I guess, like, they, you know, they asked, like, Huey Lewis, like, hey, you know, they told him, basically, like, Marty McFly's favorite rock band would be Huey Lewis and the News. Will you write a song for us? And he he started by writing, he started writing a song that was kind of tuned to the movie. Like, back in time. Yeah, and they, uh, when he took it back to Zemeckis, he was like, eh, like, eh, it's okay, like, what, but, like, what do you got? Like, what's just, like, something that you have? And he's like, well, I've been working on this song. And they're like, yeah, that's the one. So that's why it was a song like it was a song that he had just been writing about at about the same time that they chose that that's the one they liked. So they're like, all right, let's yeah. Use so that like, let's movie. just pretend you released this a year earlier and it's Marty's favorite song right yeah, now. Exactly. He, he and the pinheads are, are covering it very fucking intensely, which I do love in the first one. How that is Huey Lewis. That is the judge that holds up the megaphone and says, I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. 
That, that made me happy. Solid cameo. And the guy, the guy who looks like a 40 year old playing in that high school band is the actual, what's the right term for it? Like he's the guy that taught Michael J. Fox how to play all the Johnny B. Good stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, and like, and how to do that for screen, which by the way, I watched a video recently on YouTube that is a, a dude who's playing what Michael J. Fox is playing, like what he's actually playing on the neck, oh, really? along with the uh, the movie, and it's pretty funny. Like it's it's not completely off, but it's just like it's never in the right key, and it's never <laughs> exactly what's happening. But it is a fantastic close. pantomime. Yeah, it's close enough to look right. Yeah, it's like like when I play something air guitar, I don't think people can like people could look at that and and actually think like oh. Oh, he may actually know how to play this. I don't. I just know that when it goes up, it goes up. And when it moves, it moves. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty It's pretty funny. Well, and it was, it was ZZ Top was the festival band mm-hmm. in three. Yeah, and doing a doing a weird folk version of their Double Down song, which was, you know, I, I think it was written for that movie yeah, also. Yeah, it's de- like they get big credit for it at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. And let's see. Did anyone do any? Was there any rock band in the second? Oh, yeah, it was Sammy Hagar. I can't drive 55. Should have been 88. I can't <laughs> wait. 88. <laughs> um, one thing I want to know, because I, I always think of it in tandem with um, with the I can't drive 55 is like a reference earlier. Red, the bum. Yeah. Who's, you know, crazy drunk pedestrian. He was in the end of the first one. Crazy drunk drivers. I purposely haven't looked into it to see if there's any any research done. But in in all of the the you know people talking about the 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 what exists in the past, you know like like you know reelect Mayor Goldie Wilson in '85, and then he runs into Goldie Wilson in '55 and says you're going to be mayor. Oh yeah, you know like those ties there. When he's in '55, there's a car that's saying reelect mayor, and I believe it says Red Thomas. And then when he goes into the future, there's an old man who's a bum named Red. And like, I've even heard people in documentaries talk about, oh, Red the bum. Ha ha ha. He was a funny guy. But like, is he the I, old mayor? I've always thought that. I've always thought that it, that it's a fallen mayor. And now he's just a turbo old bum. But, um, or uh, real estate challenged. I don't House, know what the term uh, is. Houseless. No, unhoused. Uh, unhoused. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unmayored. He's yeah, an unmarried yeah. person. I've so I've I I purposely didn't look into it before this because I wanted to bring up this mystery that's plagued me my entire life. But interesting. I've always thought I've never that. Never thought because, that. That's yeah. Uh... And and maybe it's a it's a product of the fact that everything they set up pays off. Yeah. Somehow. And Red is not a common name. So it's hard to think that it'd be just a nod that. You know, there. Oh, I mean, but it could be that you know, in the in in the present, there's a car driving around saying "reelect this person," so we'll do that in the past too. But it's a different person. I don't know. Well, I'm sticking with it. Uh, I'll certify that as accurate. Fallen Mayor Red Thomas. He spent too much time at that adult theater. Yeah, so it's great. That's it. Cartoon. I don't have anything to say about. Yeah, it. I don't really remember it. It was a thing that existed. Yeah, I've I've wanted to go back. If I found it super cheap, I would buy it. I know there were some Back to the Future video games. I don't have any memories of them either. So, I mean, like, th- like for me, this franchise is a film franchise, yeah. and that's it. I remember renting for Nintendo, I believe it was Back to the Future 2 and 3. Like, I'm pretty sure it was in one game combined. Maybe not. Well, that's not that sounds Does it sound vaguely right? familiar. Okay. 
Um, and I just remember playing it for like 20 minutes and having no idea what's happening and never playing it again. Um, there was that, was it Telltale that did the, uh, the Back to they the Future did do thing? One. I, I didn't like the look of it. So, and I, I, I'm not a big fan of Telltale games, to be honest. So, yeah, um, I've got a Funko Back to the Future board game that my buddy Chris Alvarez bought for me and I haven't played it yet. So that's not, so I, that's clearly not your favorite use in pop culture. Is that what we're leading into? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think I have a favorite use in pop culture. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, like it's, I said, it's been a film franchise yeah. for me and that's it. Like if I wanted to stretch, I could say like Rick and Morty. Cause it's interesting, you know, it's, oh, yeah. that relationship is 100% yeah, it's, based on a perversion of Doc and yeah, that Doc whole show is, is absolutely yeah. a, a spoof on that. Which I, I think is a pretty fun, clever spoof. And, and it went in its own kind of direction. And, and it's, I, I enjoy that show. It's entertaining. Uh, it's getting a little old because it, it's kind of, you know, it's doing the family guy thing where it kind of it just kind of keep, has its own shtick. And, yeah, it's you know, just going. It's, it's smelling perpetual your own motion now. <laughs> for long enough. Uh, you know, oh, oh, I did have a question mark for favorite use. Okay. Oh, geez. Uh, uh, well, I want to bring them both up. So I'm, I'm going to do this real quick. Okay. okay. No, my absolute favorite use in pop culture, because this just popped into my head. I can't believe, like, I must not have spent enough time uh, thinking about this or just like consuming things and taking Only notes. 40 years. <laughs> I'm talking about for this show, fucker. Um, no, I went to a convention once, a, I think it was Silicon Valley Con. They had one of those re- recreations of the DeLorean that people do. And I got to sit in that thing and I got to put on the future cap and I had a gray sports almanac in my hand and I got some pictures of that shit. I'll, I'll have to track them down. That's pretty fun. And, cool. and put on. Yeah, that was such a great moment. I had to spend like 10 bucks to, to be able to sit in it. But like it was fucking rad. I couldn't really fit in there. I think I had one leg out the entire time. DeLoreans were not big no. cars. <laughs> But it had the flux capacitor. It had all, all the fucking gadgets and doodads. Like, it was the Back to the Future DeLorean. And that was so fucking badass. That's pretty I think rad, the only actually. thing that could beat it would be, like, sitting in a Batmobile. But then the other one that I, that I thought of at first was a little trailer, a little fan-made trailer called Broke Back to the Future. <laughs> where it is, it is a trailer that is reimagined as a love story between Doc and Marty. For the entire series. I, I, and it's not, you know, it's a little it's, creepy since Marty's in high school. <laughs> what was that? Call me by your name. That one Oscars, right? Wasn't that Timothy Chalamet as a little kid fall in love with a dude. Just a minor attracted person. It's just another sexuality. Quit being a bigot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it was, it's, it's really great. It's not raunchy and it doesn't like, it's not totally taking the piss out of everything. Like it could be a sincere movie. And, but it's just so funny, all the moments that they took out of the back to the future series that, you know, when it's, when it's portrayed in that way, it really works. You know, like, like so they, just, a, they just recut sh- scenes from the film for yes, us yeah. with, with like, with like, I think it's, it, I think it's the song from the broke back mountain, uh, soundtrack. And, and it just seems like a very sincere time travel romance between Marty and doc. And it's fucking hilarious. Like I, 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 I don't even want to like say any of the lines that are in it because it's it's so perfect i want people to experience oh, so check that yeah out. go check that on you i'm shocked i've never shown you that 
that always goes in tandem with that uh, with that trailer Shining, where they take The Shining and turn it into like a uh, like a comedy or something. Yeah, or, it's yeah. it's like a heartwarming like family movie. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen that. Okay, what's your favorite use? Like I said, I think I go with Rick and Morty. I guess. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's that deep. It's definitely not my favorite, but there's that deep fake where they do uh, where it's uh, Tom Holland as and Robert Downey Marty Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. as Doc. It's the high school scene, right? Yeah. It, like, it's interesting. I don't want to see that movie, but it's interesting. Like, like, I remember after that came out, people being like, they should totally remake these movies with these guys. I'm like, fuck yourself. Yeah, like, eat shit. Also, Robert Downey Jr., not a good choice for Doc. He'd have his own eccentricities, but he wouldn't have what I actually wanted to talk about. Um, Christopher Lloyd's reactions. Oh, we didn't talk about Christopher Lloyd hardly at all. Holy shit. Christopher Lloyd is so brilliant one of like angelina's favorite part in the first movie is when when he sets the uh the the car going down the model thing and then it catches on fire and then it runs into the trash can does that i gotta step away from the mic oh thing like she just she laughs her ass off every single time and like his reactions are so brilliant i've heard stories of him on set how like like you know he 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 couldn't fully get himself in until they were until they were rolling. So they would even roll on rehearsals so he could find the moment. And then he would he would just lock in and just fucking deliver gold. And his his bug eyes. Oh, jeez. The same thing with like with uh Michael J. Fox's Martin. Like he became the role for me. Like I can't it's hard to picture anyone else in it. And and they they went through a long list of folks casting that casting oh, yeah? him in that too like uh i don't remember all of them but there was um like john lithgow and gene wilder and john cleese were all oh, on the wow. list which i could see each one of them you know bringing something interesting to that yeah. role. like I, I could see that working it wouldn't be the same by any means but i could see it working and then they also had like robin williams and danny devito Jeez. which i wouldn't have liked it like robin williams would have robin williams the fuck out of that role, yeah. and it would have been way too much oh 1.21 gigawatts <laughs> and danny devito just i uh, my mind can't wrap itself around that one at all <laughs> what the hell is a gigawatt <laughs> oh no that's a marty line <laughs> um and and like one thing about christopher lloyd is that like he like even though he was super eccentric and had all these great big reactions he was still like he believed everything he was doing as doc like oh, like yeah. it, he was a fully formed character and one thing uh Christopher Lloyd said about the character of doc and the way he played him was that he was in constant crisis mode and when i when i heard that totally. i was like 100% he's always just like stressed and just like on the verge of of a breakdown over whatever it is He's either putting out a fire, solving some sort of problem, or having some sort of epiphany at all times. Yeah. Well, because Christopher Lloyd, like, he was more of a theater actor, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, he, yep. he was, you know, a, a stagecraft kind of guy. And by then, he had done, like, Taxi. Yeah. Oh, and, and his character in Taxi has some flavors of Doc in it oh, as yeah? well, for sure. Yeah, oh, see, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've never done a dive into Taxi. Taxi's fucking great. That's what I've heard. Also has Danny DeVito. Oh, by the way. Got your favorite use in pop culture and mine. Sorry. Oh, fuck. Sorry. It's the ride at Universal Studios that no oh. longer exists. Fuck yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I was just looking oh, at my notes a, and then bummer. down towards the bottom, it, like, because I always just start with like, with like, um, headings for like things to talk about. There's just one that says the ride. I was like, oh yeah. 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 That was cool as shit. Sorry for everyone who never got to experience because it doesn't exist anymore at any Universal Park. I'm waiting for him to tear out the town square. I mean, they, it, it's not super relevant anymore. They uh, could replace it with something stupid. 
but uh, you know, all things pass. I mean, they still like the Jaws thing's still on the backlot tour, right? See, I'd heard that they that they got rid of it, but then I also very recently that that it was still there. So I don't know. I mean, I know like the the breaking bridge isn't there, and like you know the the avalanche tunnel turned into like the mummy tunnel, and now it's like a fucking King Kong like screen experience on the I mean, side. Shit changes. That's the way it goes. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But so for those who don't know, the ride was was basically I mean, it, it was like Star Tours. It, yeah. it was a motion ride with with giant IMAX type screens in front of you. And like kind of like you were in the DeLorean, except there was a lot of people. Yeah, in you that could DeLorean. put eight people in there. I mean, it was a new device and you were at like the, the future Institute of Technology or yeah. something. Biff steals a DeLorean and you have to go and Jeez, bump dad. him back into the future. And. You go to you go to Future Hill Valley. You go into a volcano with dinosaurs, and you go through some ice shit. I believe, just that, like Star Tours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I may only be able to be thinking the ice thing because of Star Tours, actually. But the 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 lava with the dinosaurs is real. I mean, I loved that ride so fucking much. It was rad. When they replaced it with like the Simpsons thing, I never rode the Simpsons thing. No, neither Fuck I. that. I haven't been to universal studios since that was there so i think the last time i was there was 2005 which sucks because i really like that place i've always loved it was probably the late 90s for me i don't think i've been there this millennium it's got to be better in disneyland these days i i have no intention of going back to disneyland i think i feel about the park the way you feel about the movies i haven't been back to the park but i'm i'm fearful that if i go there i will agree with you yeah it just seems the way they're doing it's a fucking mess. Funny, I, I I ran it, and on that I put like Disneyland forever, blah blah blah. I love it so much, and I was like, oh, that's not the case anymore. That's really a bummer. Yeah, like like if you you know got a DeLorean and went back and talked to past you and told him, you know what, Disneyland sucks. Yeah, they, you're gonna hate Disneyland. They wouldn't believe. No, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here, you old pe- old bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you talking to me for? Um done did we do it how long have we been going the second part we're at, we're up to two hours now <laughs> hey we're back <laughs> sorry um and i came into this feeling unprepared yeah well i mean it's it's the same old story of of us that you know we we think we don't have anything and then we talk forever about it and then yep. there's still stuff on my list that i'm like oh like i didn't get to talk about lorraine oh yeah fucking or, leah thompson man yeah or the the i mean the quality of the Old people prosthetics in yeah. the first movie. Yeah, it's good. Leah Thompson, she's what one of my big regrets in life is that when I met her one time because I was working security on a set for Jane Doe that she was directing and starring in because our, our buddy was like first or second AD on there. And he had me working security one day and it was on her birthday. And he brought her over to 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 meet me because he knew I was a fan. I didn't know it was happening. And I was like, uh, uh, I was starstruck. It was, I couldn't say anything. She was fucking short as hell and gorgeous. Oh, Leah Thompson. I love you so much. And, uh, what, what a regret that I, that I just came off like some fucking stupid idiot in front of her, but such is life. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think uh, you would have ran off and married her if you were suave, but maybe. What? But if, maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, one word review. Final thoughts. Do you have a one word review? Of course not. Neither do I. So fuck it this time. We're 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 rusty.
Uh, Rub a dub dub. Thanks for the grub. This movie was great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I love this series. The amount of imagination that has gone into creating these films is almost unparalleled. You know that it's it's so much fun. Like like the first one was so inventive. The second one just pushed so many boundaries, and the third one went to where the other two didn't and did it well. And you know the advancements in special effects, not only with like. You know, I mean, the fucking miniature work with the DeLorean. We didn't even talk about the DeLorean. Whatever. Everyone knows about the fucking DeLorean. Yeah. But like the the miniature work they did that did with that and like the flying sequences and then all the all the camera equipment that they had to develop to do scenes like that that Eddie Murphy fucking used later on by playing every character in the movie. But, you know. But oh, yeah. In the future with, with the three Michael J. Foxes, you know, in one scene. And like, it looks good. Yeah. Like it. Only a couple green screens inside. Yeah, yeah, a couple little seams that they had to that they had to replace, but they did it brilliantly with with uh, with Biff and Old Biff. Like they they had to develop some new things for like passing the almanac. You know, it was it was um, I don't know. These movies are fucking gold. The level of thought and consideration and and love put into them, it just you don't. It doesn't seem like you get that as often anymore. Everything now is written. You know, at least it seems like most of the movies now are like big studio films and they're all fucking written by committee and uh i don't know i'm a crotchety old man now pining for the past and this is this is one of the highlights of the past so it uh yeah it works for me all right well uh i think it's time for us to make like a tree and get out of here if you want to let us know uh how we did you can shoot us a message at uh Email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on the social medias, Facebook, Geeksploration, the podcast page, which has been restored. Woo. I know there was some question of it um, in the in the last debrief. Um, we've got an Instagram, Geeksploration Podcast, or Twitter at Geeksplore Pod, or you can go ahead and call us at 916-ORC-TURD. That is 916-ORC-T-U-R-D. Leave a message. And we would be happy to respond to it in our next debrief. Oh, we did get a, a call, but we'll uh We'll put it in the next debrief. Okay. We're running really long. Yeah. And if you enjoyed this show or any of our others from the far, far past, uh, go on to Podchaser, Apple Podcast, and uh, leave us a, a review. That would be great. A five what? Oh, fuck. I totally forgot about that bit. <laughs> uh, a five flux capacitor review. We will accept that. <laughs> We've got merch available at shop.geeksplorationpodcast.com. We are a member of the Geekly Grind podcast network, I presume. <laughs> it's been, we've been dark for a while, but they, yeah. they haven't kicked us out. So <laughs> woo, go check those guys out. Uh, we got a discord where we uh, bullshit and talk comics and John was actually on it actively yeah. this last weekend. That it was, was interesting. very active. Yeah. Uh, and um, our theme song is Cruising for Goblins by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And remember... You don't just walk into a store and buy plutonium.